Welcome back to the Table Church Podcast. Thanks for listening. Uh, Megan and I were just having a conversation um, about what makes us laugh. So I'll tell you what makes me laugh. If you have Twitter, go to the Twitter handle Perfectly Cut Screams. It's at... Uh, <laughs> that's the hand. Yeah. It's like at A G H H A J or something. Or A A A. Just Google it. Just look for perfectly cut screams <laughs> and just start enjoying the videos. That's what makes me laugh. Mm-hmm. I can watch a high level, you know, Hollywood comedy movie and barely crack a smile. Mm hmm. But that stuff, just the randomness of life, I am dying. Mm-hmm. How about you, Megan? I'm probably pretty similar. I would say that there's not much that I can go to in entertainment that reliably will make me laugh. Mm-hmm. But like random stuff I see on the internet. Like <laughs> Hollywood can produce something with, <laughs> you know, these high name actors, high level actors. You know, they're supposed to be funny. And I'm like, eh. but then some dude in his basement will mm-hmm. make a YouTube video. And I'm just like losing it. I think my kids are that way too. They're constantly sharing reels with me. Yeah. I'm like sending me snaps and <laughs> yeah. things like that. And it's just like people. I think the reason that it's funnier is because it's not contrived at all. Mm-hmm. Generally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like all of our best bits at home are usually taken from reels. Like videos yep. of like a teenage boy cooking. And he gets excited yeah. about Mexican cheese. Yeah. And this becomes something that we It's funny. Eat. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the question that I asked Megan before we started <laughs> recording that she was having a little trouble answering was, what makes Jim laugh? Your husband. And I truly don't have an answer. Like what, make, what makes Jim just lose it? Yeah. I, he's not an unhappy person. But I have to say I've been married to him for 20 years and I don't know <laughs> how to answer that question. Yeah. <laughs> like, does he laugh? Yes. But I mean, just like but giggling. Nope. That nope. doesn't happen. No, he just doesn't like, it's hard for his whole system to get there. Yeah. You know, like it's got to be <laughs> a really special occasion. He's not an unhappy person. He's nearly always in a really good mood and he's always nice. Uh-huh. He's I don't think anything really like gets to him. Yeah. Maybe hardcore. he exists at just a slightly above average state of happiness. Maybe. And that kind of compensates like well, the rest of us kind of have like these spikes I'm really of happiness. Up and down. Yeah. I'm like I'm either really cynical or I'm like everything is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, I'm just thinking about one of those perfectly cut screen videos. There's like a frog sitting on a fence post. Yeah. And a guy's filming the frog and he says, do a flip. And the frog like backflips off of the post. I remember this one. It's amazing. <laughs> yes. And there's a whole lot of cat stuff on there. Mm-hmm. Cats going. Yeah. You know. You cats think, you think freaking that's out funny. about cucumbers. Check it out. That's what makes me laugh. Yep. Also, Mystery Science Theater 3000. I love mm. it. I love I, it. I am like I haven't seen an episode of that in a really long time. It's Probably been a while since for me like too. the early nineties. Oh wow. <laughs> but I did watch it yeah. when I was like ten. Mm-hmm. Now I I'm ha- like, was that okay? I haven't watched it in a long time. <laughs> Probably not. I haven't watched it in a long time. But I should get back Weren't into it. Weren't they from Minneapolis? They from yeah, Minnesota? one of them. Yeah, the guy, the main guy. I think yeah. the original dude 
Like yeah. there's been a couple or three of them. I don't know. Um, from probably my favorite. He went to Bethel. I Did think. you really? Yeah. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Anyhow. Move on. So Megan, I got another question for you. Not just what makes Jim laugh, but how much should a pastor get paid? Uh, like, can you give me a dollar amount? I think that pastors should probably just work for free <laughs> as they do all things unto the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, right? May, Is that the right answer? Let me ask you a more specific question. Should pastors make $650,000 a year? Yes or no? Um, well, <laughs> I think... I think that uh, that probably feels high. Feels high. <laughs> Is uh, it right? I don't know. It feels high. Feels high. Um, <laughs> the reason I ask is because, well, first of all, the rise and fall of Mars Hill. It's over. Finally over. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we both agreed that we're glad it's over, but we're glad we listened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it was like an onslaught by the end, kind of like reading the first half of the Tove book. You're like, Burr. yeah, this is this is hard. Yeah, it's I, rough. I must keep going, but this is hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the last episode, it was revealed that Pastor Mark Driscoll made six hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. Yeah. So now, I'm sure Seattle's much more expensive to live in than Des Moines. Yeah, totally. It must. But be. I'm pretty sure that's still a lot of money by Seattle standards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, it's not nothing. Yeah. Plus, he gets to deduct those yeah. good old pastor deductions. I think one of the, before housing. we get into whatever we're going to talk about next, I think one of the things that makes it rub people the wrong way is that they knew that he was skewing things with his book royalties mm-hmm. and then still keeping the profits. Mm-hmm. That didn't help. No. So I think, like, uh, it's uh, complicated. I bring it up because I saw... On Twitter, which is where we get most of our podcast content, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, a number of people make, uh, you know, take issue with that, mm-hmm. with how much he makes. And I'm going to be clear. I also take issue. I don't think a pastor should make $650,000 a year. Mm-hmm. So, but here's the question that raised. Wait, hold on. Now, mm-hmm. does that include his book royalties and things like that? I because think that's I don't just think his salary from the church. Because that's just what's reported as his salary with the church but that doesn't include the fact that the church was doing things like buying books and, and he, kept he the would get the profit yep so right. he actually took home perhaps quite a bit more from all the other content that he would generate yeah. books speaking engagements mm-hmm. and the church was paying for outside uh institutions to like provide research Mm -hmm. and things like that for him so he could create these things much easier and then he got the The profits you know he's got things figured out yeah like what i want to (laughs) say is i commend you mark driscoll (laughs) for like working the system to every last drop of opportunity (laughs) in a world where that is virtuous you sir are a saint like (laughs) like i would just say everybody everybody's going to say Mark Driscoll's so schmarmy for figuring that out. But I mean, everybody helped him do that. Like he's Mm -hmm. not that smart. Like people helped him figure out how to do all that. So 
like his church people working with him people advising him like people helped him figure out all these things and they didn't do it all at once it mm-hmm. all just kind of happened mm-hmm. over time mm-hmm. but i mean when you look at it from this perspective you're like oh my word yeah i'm sure at the time he thought it was completely reasonable yeah um i'm sure he <laughs> did i and honestly I, I bring it up not to poke at mark driscoll or talk about mark driscoll or even make it about him here's but here's the question it's here's, a good point yeah it is but here's my question okay for example for example one person on twitter sandra galan i didn't know who she was but she's got she i'll tell you who she is she is the president-elect of the evangelical press association okay she's also a seminary professor i don't know where she has a thm from dallas theological seminary as well as a phd in aesthetics um she tweeted a pastor making six hundred fifty thousand dollars a year gross (laughs) i like all that educationist made her really on point with her brevity and descriptive (laughs) it is something more scholars should learn um (laughs) gross gross period and so i i was like okay i got a question about that i'm gonna respond and so i tweeted uh, I, I put a comment there. I said, curious what people think. If pastors shouldn't make $650,000 a year, which I agree is absurd, mm-hmm. should any Christian be able to make that much? Mm-hmm. Or is this just for pastors? And then my immediate question when you brought this up was, what, okay, so if they shouldn't make that much, how much should they make? Yeah. You know, like. That's a whole other question. Yeah, it's a whole other question. So there's two really good questions that come with this. If you feel like a $650,000 salary is wrong what's right yeah let's not even let's let's table that yeah because tabling that but it's definitely the first thing i think of is like you mm-hmm. can't just say that's gross and then not define what's not gross right but i would agree that <laughs> i'd agree that's too much like that i would agree that's right. i don't know how else to say it um so should any christian there then like mm-hmm. if if a rule applies to pastors in, in terms of how much they should make uh can a Christian photographer make that much? Mm-hmm. Can a Christian lawyer make that much? Should any Christian be able to make that much? And then why? Mm-hmm. Like, tell me why if a pastor can't do it, other Christians yeah. can. And if they can make that much, for example, do they keep that much? Like, if you're saying That's it's the too question. much, yeah. you know, because, and I'm sure people, you, I think you said this, and people said this, of course, pastors and church staff their salary is provided through tithes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so if we think that that's too much for them to keep from people's tithe money, why is that too much? Is it only because it's tithes? Is it because there's just a certain standard of living? And then what does that mean for other Christians who maybe make $700,000 a year, but like they earned it themselves? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so in fact, I think that if you're trying to be make the biblical case for like, paying church leaders and stuff mm-hmm. um i gotta look up this verse here <laughs> okay so i mean paul goes the other way he says uh the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double pay them double he mm-hmm. says especially those whose work is preaching and teaching Mm. okay i like that verse yeah why aren't we quoting that on pillows i should preach on that one sometime yeah we get real hung up on other stuff about like braiding hair and jewelry and things like that why are we not (laughs) defending this is the verse from first timothy we should all be talking about (laughs) i was gonna say like of all the things 
throwing like, out there. I like the NLT translation. <laughs> Elders who do their work well should be respected and paid well, especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's now, right. Let's be clear. Uh, I'm pretty sure that the uh, pre- <laughs> the elders in the city of Ephesus 2,000 years ago probably weren't making a whole lot of money, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, all all that I'm bringing this up for is is just simply it's it's a it's a question that I don't know that I have a clear answer to. If a pastor can't make that much, and again I've said it, I don't think that's probably how much a pastor should be making. Mm-hmm. Um, then is it okay, is it justifiable for any Christian to make that much money and why? So mm-hmm. I, want, I want to share some of the responses that people gave to my tweet, all right? Uh, one one lady says, as someone in the Christian profession, I think the difference is that his income comes from his tith- from tithes that people assume go to help the mission, not just him. Mm-hmm. People think their money's going to one thing, but it's going to another. So the key issue there is, is, is this, it's deceptive in her mind. Mm-hmm. Are we extrapolating on these? Or are you going to give a whole list? I'm going to extrapolate. We can pause there for a second. Okay. I mean, because I think the first thing you think of is, well, this is all reportable. So it's something that everyone in the church was able to be aware of. It wasn't hidden from them. And it must have been a small portion of the church budget. I mean, how much do you think their budget was? Probably $20 million mm-hmm. or something. I don't know. I don't know how big. Yeah. It was enormous, I'm so sure. So comparatively, it was from tithes, but people were able to see exactly where the money was going mm-hmm. because that's how it works here in America. <laughs> I mean, to... <laughs> well, no, like I, mean, uh, I don't think a church would necessarily have to disclose how much the pastor made to the congregation. But they see salary in general, correct? They have to, mm, right? I don't, I don't think they necessarily have to. Um, I assume most churches yeah. make that information available. Is what part of the church budget is just like non-negotiable? People need to be able to see this. It depends on your church's bylaws. Mm-hmm. So. And I think like this might be connected to denominationally what is uh, required of you, mm-hmm. things like that, and maybe why it's nice to not have affiliations. Well, the question it brings up is, okay, so if if – if his salary was public knowledge, mm-hmm. they they put it in the annual meeting, you know, and it was a relatively small percentage of the overall church budget, then is it mm-hmm. okay? Because mm-hmm. she seems to think that the, the, the problem is deception there. Mm-hmm. And I asked that. I said, well, if those two things were the case, then would it be all right? Mm-hmm. And uh, if they still shouldn't make that much, if Pastor Shilstead still shouldn't make that much, then why should other Christians, I asked. She said, that's a great question. I don't think there's an easy answer. I do think Christians should automatically shouldn't automatically earn less for the same exact work, but there's also an increased responsibility for stewardship from churches and pastors because of whose name they represent. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll table that for a second. Uh, another another person said, because um, that last point she made about whose name they represent is kind of what a lot of people ended up saying. One mm-hmm. guy said, pastors should get paid for the work and writings that they do, but also be mindful they are models that are scrutinized. That's true. Um, and then the lady who posted originally, Sandra Glan, PhD, uh, she said, in response to that guy, she said, absolutely. And even more than models for others, they are to have properly ordered loves, including love for God. They are to have no other gods before God, including money. Their income is based on the assumption of this reality. And I would 100% agree with her and with that guy. Mm-hmm. His name's Kevin. I would also agree with Kevin. They should be mindful that pastors are models to be scrutinized. 100% true. Pastors should have properly ordered loves. They should have no other gods before God, including money. 
but why not all Christians? Mm-hmm. That's just my question. Like I 100% agree yeah. about that, but then wouldn't that be true of everyone? Because the logical conclusion is that pastors, leaders in the church, need to be those things in order to lead other people into a lifestyle that embodies those things. Right. But then you have to say, well, if you're, okay, great. But practically speaking, what should they make? Well, (laughs) even before we get to that, yes, pastors are models. They should be modeling what the ideal is in order to lead people to where they should be. But by admitting that, we are essentially saying that then, therefore, people shouldn't make that much because that's the model they should Mm -hmm. be following, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's a quandary. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It seems interesting mm-hmm. to me that people are very quick to say, no, pastors should not make that much money. But when we start saying, should any Christian make that much money? They're like, well, pastors are different ah. because they're modeling for everyone else how to live. And you're like, okay, but Which then backfires you mean, on you. then you mean that pastors should live this way because they're modeling for you how to live. So that means that then logically you're going to have to live, live that way too. And so if you're like, well, I can't help how much I make. I have a job and this is what it is. Okay. Mm-hmm. But like, should you keep it all? Yeah. And then I think that's, that's really the big question or the big thing. Mm-hmm. Conclusion is that you can make X amount, but you don't have to keep it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, <laughs> that's a pretty big tithe check for the Driscoll's to send back to Marcel. Oh man. You think they tithed on that 650,000? I hope so. Cause they're modeling Surely they did. for everyone else. I bet they, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you know, when we planted Table Church, um, some advice that I thought was good that was given to me in terms of setting my salary, which is an awkward thing to do, mm-hmm. uh, was to figure out how much high school teachers make in the city that you're planting in and mm-hmm. model your um, your salary off of that, which yep. is what we did. I've given lots of people that advice since then. Yeah. You know, and it's a little bit apples and oranges because, but you kind of, you can usually find out like years of experience plus education, figure out kind of mm-hmm. how much a teacher would make. Teachers have that like chart they of how chart. much experience you have and how much mm-hmm. education you have. And then you land on a certain number. Yep. It's like playing Battleship. You just follow the n- mm-hmm. number, the column in the row mm-hmm. and boom, there's your salary. Yep. They have these things called steps. I don't quite understand them. And so I don't know what step I would be if I was a teacher, but you kind of have to guess a little bit. Plus, Mm -hmm. you know, um, the school district gives a benefits package. And and so if the church doesn't pay my health insurance, so I had to Mm -hmm. figure that out. But uh, more or less, that's what our model was when we did it. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a decent one. Yeah, you can have quite a bit of compassion for especially small church pastors, people who are planting churches that you have to create a budget. And like one of the biggest things you have to budget for is your own salary. Mm -hmm. And that feels, feels a little gross. Yeah. That's why you want a good board, Mm -hmm. good team of elders helping Mm -hmm. you out, you know, people you can trust looking out for you, but also looking out for the church. And of course there are many ways to plant a church. You don't, you don't need to expect the church to pay your salary at all. You can mm-hmm. work somewhere else and yeah. pastor and do all of that. But it is, of course, extremely hard yeah. to do the job of being a pastor and work full-time someplace else. I got a buddy doing that right now in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he hasn't been down there too long, but he's hoping to plant a church down there. And he got a job scooping poop. Mm-hmm. Dog poop scooper. Which honestly sounds like a lot of good thinking time. Yeah, you could probably fire through a lot of podcasts. Yeah. I would think. He says he does 40 yards a day. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, are you Santa with his reindeer? 
I just immediately think how big are the yards? <laughs> like not all yards are the same. That's true. Not all dogs are the same. My yard would be pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And what's the process for covering all the square feet? Yeah. What do you do? I'm sure they've got it figured out. Uh, they've they've got and a obviously, system. Obviously, I just don't know what it is. Yeah, they've got a system. Hmm. He's tent making. <laughs> and that, that is hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I bet he's not making six hundred fifty thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Scooping poop. Probably not. Anyway, I I just if hey if you're listening to this and you've got an opinion, you let us know. The mm-hmm. question is not. Should pastors make $650,000? I've already kind of decided they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, the question is, if pastors can't make six or shouldn't make $650,000 a year, should any Christian mm-hmm. technically be able to make mm-hmm. that much? And, because and, if a pastor is a model, then you're trapped. <laughs> In my mind, at least. <laughs> uh, and here's, here's where I'm at on it. it it's already kind of implicitly come through. Um, I don't have a number, but I would say... I, uh, I don't even know if I want my opinion to be right, but here's where my mind goes. I have a hard time figuring out why, if a pastor can't make X, why another Christian should be able to make X. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, we're simply speaking in terms of what's theologically proper. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not talking about, well, a free market economy, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, in that case, Mark Driscoll should have made that much because he's, he led a church that was willing to pay him that much, you mm-hmm. know. But that's irrelevant to us. What's relevant is what's godly and what's mm-hmm. the way of Jesus. Yeah. And it's, as the Bible says, easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And so um, I don't know what the, the magic number is for what pastors should make, but uh, that probably is a contextual thing a little bit. But I do think that that's probably a little more, like mm-hmm. you said, feels high. It feels high. It just feels high. But I think like uh, anything like this, these are good questions because they point out um, your theology, not the one that you uh, say if you thought your answer all the way through and you want to say the right thing. But like when something strikes you a certain way, you think this actually reveals my actual theology, like what I yeah. actually think about God and myself and my money and all of that. Because if there's somehow a way that we feel bothered by someone whose income comes from tithes, making more than we think they should or spending their money on something we don't uh then that reveals our theology of money which is perhaps more informed by the protestant work ethic and capitalism mm-hmm. it gets to the level of pre-thought the mm-hmm. pre-thought like the stuff that you Your haven't pre-birds. thought through mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> So if, if, if wherever the money came from, if you feel like you have more of a problem with it because people gave money to, you know, good things, but then the pastor got it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, like, you know, yeah, there's, they're all linked. Yeah. I, um, I saw a guy on Twitter. He was lamenting the fact that in his mind, and he's a religion professor at a Christian school in New York. And he was lamenting the fact that in his mind, all the church planters are targeting the college educated. He says, why aren't more people planting churches for the non-college educated? He says, everyone's going after the artists and the creatives and that sort of thing. Why aren't they going after the college educated or the non-college educated people? And, uh, like somebody, there were a lot of comments and like one of them and maybe even multiple were kind of like, just follow the money, mm-hmm. implying that church planters are in it for the money. <laughs> I just want to say, bro, mm-hmm. you are so, out of touch. It <laughs> <laughs> ain't why they're doing it, man. I've never met a church no. plant. I've met a lot of church planters. Never met one that's like, you know what? I just, um, this felt like a really good financial move. Yeah. I just feel like if I play my cards right, 
things are going to work out. <laughs> yeah. And so <laughs> I don't think that that's the reason. I don't think nope. they're, I mean, at some level, yes, every pastor thinks about like, we need to be financially viable. Mm-hmm. Is Just this, like every person does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but the other thing, I, I think the original post, I, I don't know that I've ever met a church planner thinking, oh, you know, this is a highly educated area. I'm going to go there. I think most churches are like, mm-hmm. um, I want to reach the down and outers, you know? Mm-hmm. And so anyway, it's interesting the assumptions people make sometimes. Yep. But churches want to reach those people. And then often it's the people who are educated that stop the church from being able to do that. Yeah. Because they don't want to go along. Yeah. And yeah, that's the whole thing. Let's wrap up this little area, mm-hmm. this little portion of the podcast. Here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying, I'm not asking how much should pastors make. Um, I'm not saying that people shouldn't make more than their pastor. I'm saying if there's a number pastors should not make, should any Christian make it? Mm-hmm. If so, why? I want to know. Mm-hmm. I'm genuinely curious. And again, maybe you can't help that you make $800,000 a year, mm-hmm. but should you keep it all? Yeah. I mean, that would be mm-hmm. the way to... Uh, alleviate that mm-hmm. be Zacchaeus mm-hmm. give it away okay Megan we in the new year are gonna <laughs> we're gonna start something new on the podcast do you want to tell us we about are it? okay yeah I can uh so starting in January we're gonna spend a few months talking about every conceivable difficult question you can probably muster in your mind right now about the bible like all the hard things like why are all these women getting raped and sold and moved around? And why are, um, why, why do people use this like a science book? Yeah. It doesn't seem to relate to. And why are they obsessed <laughs> with foreskin? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all of these questions that are probably just burning in your mind all the time. We're going to cover them. We're going to read through. The and we're going to give you the definitive answer to all of them. Yeah. Um, Every single one. By the time that kidding. you're done, you're going to know all of the <laughs> answers. Um, so we're going to read through Dan Kimball's book, How Not to Read the Bible. How many chapters are there? I feel like there are 12. Are there 12? Help I me out. I didn't count. Um, you keep talking. I'll look. There are. I There's think, 18 chapters. Okay. Okay. But six sections. Yes. So maybe we'll do uh, cover a section per podcast. Mm -hmm. We're going to do a section per podcast and get through the first um, couple months of the year at least with this. And so if you want to read along with us, it's called How Not to Read the Bible, Making Sense of the Anti-Women, Anti-Science, Pro-Violence, Pro-Slavery, and Other Crazy Sounding Parts of Scripture. It's by Dan Kimball. Um got a really cool cover so if you want to get the book um it and probably wins cover of this, the year award don't you think mm-hmm. it's a really cool cover it's a cool cover cover of the year um i originally we were talking about this earlier i absolutely do have some other dan kimball books <laughs> at home that i collected during seminary i think I have the Emerging Church and Emerging Worship. Dan Kimball's been around Emerging for a long Worship, time. that's the one. I had that in college. Yeah, this has been around for a while. Um, so, but anyway, this book is new. Um, I heard about this book on The Bible Project. 
Yeah. So and, good. and Tim Mackey, he, he's got an endorsement on the back of the book, mm-hmm. so you know it's good. Also, Scott McKnight, our buddy. Mm-hmm. Friend, friend of the friend podcast. Friend of the podcast. Scott, Scott McKnight. McKnight. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, David Crowder. There was a day in my life, there was a time where David Crowder Band was my favorite. Yeah. They were my favorite. And now everybody, why is there's no, there's no bands anymore in contemporary Christian music. They all go do solo things. And yeah. it's not as good. Because why? bands are so hard. I guess. You know, you got to be Beyonce. It's simpler. No, I want my I want David Crowder band. Um, but yes. So if you want to read along with us, we're going to cover a section of the book per episode. And as we do, I am sure that Phil is going to pepper the episodes with all kinds of extra content that he paid a lot of money for. We're going to go deep into the mind castle. But you get for free. <laughs> <laughs> Phil has we'll see. spent significant amounts of blood, sweat, tears, and money and time mm-hmm. gaining a mountain of knowledge <laughs> about things in the Bible yeah. that uh, you don't know about yet, but you will. <laughs> yeah, so, we'll see how it goes. Um, Phil, would you like to qualify yourself for us to why you have something to add to this? Well, I'm just your everyday. Not really. Well, you are a Reverend M. Yeah, Div. Yeah, I am. You're Reverend M. Div. I've definitely spent many years needing to think about the Bible and then talk about it. Here's what I found the more education <laughs> you get, the more you know you don't know. Yeah. So I am closer to the start of the journey than I was when I started. <laughs> There's probably better ways of saying that, but you know what I'm, you know what I mean? <laughs> but one thing that is helpful is that you have a master's degree in biblical interpretation yeah. and you've spent a lot of time thinking about how to think about the Bible. Yep. Which so is helpful. I have a master's in biblical inter- interpretation from Middlesex University in England. Mm-hmm. I attended the London School of Theology, but Middlesex University validates the degree. So I technically get to say that I graduate or have a degree from Middlesex University. Yep. It's on the uh, wall in your office. Which sounds very British, doesn't it? It does. It really does. But anyway, this is going to be a fun, fun journey. Yeah. And also, it's a really good time to invite somebody in to the podcast, somebody who uh, is maybe church adjacent, hasn't like, you know, felt really particularly a part of a community for a long time. Um, Maybe they just have a lot of questions yeah. pertaining to this stuff. This would be a really good time to invite them to get the book and read it along with you and then join us for the podcast too. I'm probably going to qualify a lot of things throughout this podcast or this, this series because like imposter syndrome and stuff. But um, I also wrestle with these questions. Mm-hmm. I want to be clear. I don't have it figured out. These are questions Christians should wrestle with. Mm-hmm. If you dismiss them and don't and shrug them off and don't think that they're a big deal, you're wrong. Uh, I do think that there are good answers. I mm-hmm. I mean, can you ever be totally satisfied with, I mean, yeah, there's the, like genocide, you know, like that stuff's mm-hmm. in there. It's in there. Um, and so I, I don't ever want to sound flippant about it, but I, I want to invite you on this journey just to realize that uh, the memes that you see online do not even have a <laughs> fraction of the whole picture. Mm-hmm. Okay. And anybody who dismisses the Bible out of hand because of the crazy stuff that's in there, ought to be dismissing the best version, the best understanding of the Bible that they can dismiss, not the worst one. And Mm -hmm. that's often what people do. And 
holy smokes, the greatest intellectual tradition arguably ever to grace the face of planet Earth has been thinking about these questions for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. And people 100,000 times smarter than any of us have thought about these questions. And so let's see if there's some answers out there, shall we? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's just like such a big question. But like, for example, just speaking as a pastor who, um, as a person, I've been... I've become comfortable with the Bible usually not sitting right with me. <laughs> like, you know, like mm -hmm. when you read through it, it doesn't leave you feeling fuzzy mm -hmm. much of the time. Right. You know? Um, and so as like I read through the Bible every year, right now I am in the middle of Job. You really do. If you were to start at the beginning of the Bible and just start reading through, which is what I do, just like read through. Mm -hmm. cover to cover um just, uh, you literally get all the way to psalms and proverbs which is like the middle of the book before you really start to get to anything that is not just extremely difficult to relate to in your everyday life right now without thinking it's just disgusting or wrong or just like it's a lot of game of thrones <laughs> I've, I've described reading the Bible cover to cover is like taking a road trip across the United States, starting in, on the East Coast. You're like, you got Genesis one and two, where stuff's happening. You know, Genesis one, two, and three. That's like the Appalachian Mountains. Mm -hmm. It's like, ooh, cool creation. Ooh, there's the fall. You know, yeah. stuff, plots going on. Yeah, plot yeah. story. Plot that doesn't make you feel too icky yet. And then you got you got you know the patriarchs, which has stuff happening too. And but then you get to Exodus, and you find yourself in the Midwest for a long mm -hmm. time. <laughs> and it's not until you get to the Rocky Mountains, AKA kind of the New Testament. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> no, it's not true. Like, yeah, you gotta get through the the kings and the uh, narratives and There's all that There's a stuff. lot of like Chronicles. power struggles, people dying, people killing other people, and the Bible saying it's because God wanted it that way, things mm -hmm. like that. Like you've gotta just understand it is uh, sometimes not understandable for your context. And sometimes yeah. it's just, uh, we don't understand the right questions to mm -hmm. ask, you know, how to uh, understand the Bible. The thing that we don't want to happen is, is for some Christian to see a meme and be like, I didn't know the Bible said that. Mm -hmm. And what in the world is this? And all that stuff. Like, let's just not be caught off guard. Let's know our Bibles and let's be honest about what's in there. And let's, let's prayerfully consider what it might mean for us and why it might be there because mm -hmm. there's often answers that will surprise us. So I'm excited. It'll, It'll be, fun. be great. So, so get great. the book, get the mm -hmm. book. We'll post it. And uh, you got plenty of time because we're not starting until after the first of the year. Mm -hmm. In fact, this will probably mm -hmm. be our last podcast of the year. Most it will likely. be. Okay. Yep. It we'll will be our be, last we'll episode. We'll be posting our sermons, of course. So tune into those, those if you want. How not to read the Bible. Dan Kimball invite somebody to read along with you. It's going to be great. All right. Thanks everybody. Merry Christmas and happy new year.